Happy Sabbath. My name is Joy, and I'm delighted to be here with you on your mission weekend. Uh, Let's just bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you are so good to us, and you have first loved us. Lord, you have loved us with an everlasting love, and we thank you for your mercy and your grace towards us. Father, please help us to know you, to know you deeply and closely. Uh, May we accept your salvation and your righteousness. Please transform us so that we may be able to be reflectors of your image. Please help each one of us to be your missionaries. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going to get started with the video first. It's a great introduction to the leprosy ministry work in China. It's actually, um, it was a mission spotlight video produced several years ago. You might remember it, but it might be a good refresher. So I think it's supposed to come up here. Is it possible? If not, I'll keep talking. Okay, I'll keep talking. Okay, so anyway, I'm going to share a little bit about my personal testimony and how God called me to uh, serve in China and um, how he has led since then. Um, So actually, I wasn't planning to be a missionary. When I was young, I had heard um, of a friend of mine who was several years older. She had gone to be a missionary in Mongolia. And at that time, I really wanted to be a missionary. But, you know, life kind of happens, high school, college, and beyond, and you kind of forget about those dreams. So one thing that I did learn was that when you're convicted, it's time to act. Don't wait. Well, through a series of of events, um, I ended up going to Korea. As Lee had said, I had worked as an elementary teacher and then as a children's pastor. And I worked as a children's pastor in a Korean church. I'm Korean. And I didn't really like Koreans back then. I only looked at the bad parts of my my heritage, and I didn't appreciate the good parts. But God had a plan. He wanted me to reconcile my differences with my heritage, with my culture. And so through that... I really began to say, okay, there are good people from Korea. <laughs> and, you know, I want to get in touch with my roots. And so I ended up, um, after I finished my, um, my job as children's pastor, to go to Korea. I thought I, was, I would go get in touch with my roots, and I would start by teaching English. Well, I went, and I actually thought I would be there for several years. But God had other plans, Suddenly, doors started closing and in, in Korea, but then God opened another door. I, I got a call to go be a teaching principal in Oregon at one of our Adventist schools. And being, becoming a principal was one of my dream jobs. And so to have an opportunity like that, I said, yes, of course. And so in my mind, I was getting ready to, come, to go back to America um, so I was like, I got to hurry up and I got to go, you know, buy a house, buy a car, get ready for school, etc. But it was at that time that I met a girl and she had gone to the leper colonies in China for about two weeks. And she told me, she's like one of those persuasive sorts. She's like, you have to go to China. And she said, it's like a detox from the world. 
every time I, ta- I, I saw her, she would be like, you have to go to China. You have to go to China. And one of those days, I'm just like, I just have to go to China. You know, I'm here in Asia. It's close. And um, it'd be much more expensive and a lot farther to come from the U.S. again. And so with a thought in my mind that I was going to go check out this ministry so that I could be able to explain it to the people back in America, because I thought maybe I can get some young people to go on mission trips, you know, those short-term mission trips that we're used to. And um, that was my purpose. Well, I went there thinking I could spare 10 days. And I had my little carry-on suitcase and my backpack. And it was in May, so it was almost exactly three years ago. And um, I went. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. In fact, I had to contact a friend of mine who was a doctor to ask, "Uh, isn't leprosy contagious? Do I need to worry about anything? (laughs) And so um, he kind of gave me the update on um, the medical advances regarding leprosy. And um, so about 40 years ago, they came up with a medication, a treatment. And so once the lepers take the course of the treatment for six months to a year, then it's read the bacteria, the leprosy bacteria is rendered inactive and they're no longer contagious. I said, okay, I don't have anything to worry about. So I went and uh, my life completely changed. My 10-day trip turned into three years plus. And um, what really struck me were three things. First of all, the lepers, they obviously needed help. They had missing fingers, you know, missing limbs. Some were blind. They're very old. Obviously, they needed hands and feet to help them. But then secondly, I heard the testimonies of the different missionary volunteers. And I was blown away. People had quit their jobs to come serve here in the leper colonies. Some students had given up university. Some people had sold their houses and given the proceeds to the work. Uh, Some had left their families because perhaps the husband didn't feel like this was exactly right for him. I was amazed. They were living like the early church, having all things in common. When somebody needed something, they would provide it. And it was just incredible. You know, those two factors really touched my heart. But the third part was the Bible study. We studied the Bible six or seven hours a day. And as we studied there and as we were being the hands and feet of Jesus, things started to click in ways that I hadn't experienced when I was living here in the U.S. Suddenly, the Bible started coming alive. With that, I was faced with a question. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. And they said, here's your opportunity. Jesus brought you here for a reason. Will you deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus? Wow. Am I going to give up my life in America? Am I going to give up my, my new job that I haven't even started as a teaching principal? I had to really pray, and I had to study the scriptures. And as I studied, I was looking for God's will. And it was incredible. God is so faithful. He showed me that he doesn't want me to flow away, as it's found in Hebrews chapter 2. Flow away from all that I had heard, truth, life. 
He wanted me to have spiritual life. And after that, I knew, I mean, just looking at my life, and you know, I told you I was a children's pastor, and I've always, I've grown up in the church, so I wasn't a bad kid, if you know what I mean. In fact, everyone thought I was a really good Christian. Because if you compare my, you know, me to other people, they're like, oh, she's, you know, she's good. She does all these things, blah, blah, blah. But I knew my condition. And I didn't know it, I didn't know it as clearly back then as I know now. But I was living as a Christian, but with one foot firmly planted in the world, in the ways of the world, in the thinking of the world. I claimed to be a Christian, but I wasn't living like a 24-7 Christian. Well, he challenged me. He said, what do, you, what do you want to gain, the world or me? And I knew that if I went back to, the, back to America and started this job, I would live the exact same way, doing things in my own strength, I knew I would be stressed. I knew that I would work hard but be stressed. But, uh, yeah, I knew at that point I wasn't completely surrendered to the Lord. So I didn't want to give up that opportunity, and I didn't want to start a habit of rejecting God. So I thought if I would reject him this time, perhaps I'd reject him the next time he called and the next time he called. And um, here I am. He's taught me incredible lessons and completely changed my life. He has um, grown me in spiritual ways that I would have never imagined. I'd always longed to be spiritually growing and mature, but I never, I don't know why, it never stuck. You know the spiritual highs that we have once in a while, and then it maybe it lasts for three days or five days or a week? But this was different, and I'm so glad. You know, God is doing this work all around the world. As I travel and I meet different people, he's waking people up. People who have been completely asleep or people who have been coming to church, but they were very nominal, you know, just coming and leaving, not really having a relationship with Jesus. God is doing the work right now of waking people up. And so I know that this time period in earth's history is something special. We have the privilege of being part of it. And I want to show you this video now, if it's ready, and uh, you can get a taste of what our life is like in the leper colonies in China. It is a little graphic, so if you have kids, uh, maybe be, be ready. In the country of China, the situation of the lepers has become a great tragedy. There are 600 colonies and more than 250,000 lepers. Uh, 
The first time I saw the lepers and I looked upon their faces, I felt a great pain inside my heart. But I felt called to serve them because they are the sons and daughters of God. These people were abandoned by society, and they feel that they don't belong. Our goal is to help them feel special, that they are loved. But we also want them to know that Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for them, that they are redeemed, and there is a kingdom for them. I went to China in 2006 and saw the situation with the lepers and found out that not one Adventist was working to help them. I wanted to do something to help. We are involved with 18 projects and we have more than 70 volunteers. We live among the people in the colony, we eat with them, we serve them. Jesus Christ served the people. He provided for their needs. That is what we are trying to do here. We want to help these people and to provide for their needs, just like Jesus did. So far, 327 lepers have been baptized. My goal is to train these new converts to serve and help other lepers. The first time we touch the wounds of the lepers, it helps them to feel that someone cares about them. Through this, we are showing the love of Jesus to them. We are earning their trust. So currently we are in about 13 different leper colonies and um, our baptisms have gone up. We now have 758 who are baptized and there are hundreds more who are ready to get baptized. 
not only that, we have a total of about 120 volunteers, 90 of whom are Chinese, and 30 of whom are from, mostly from Korea, and a few of us from America, Canada, and Malaysia. So God is doing mighty miracles, changing the lives of the lepers, and also changing the lives of the volunteers. So if we can get the, the PowerPoint up, I, I can continue. It's good? All right. Leprosy ministry in China, China, the power of Jesus changing lives. It's, that is the incredible, um, the, the incredible reality of the work in China. It's different than any work I've uh, been involved with anywhere. And it's, it's a real privilege to be able to see um, how God is working. As was mentioned, there were 600 leper colonies and over 240,000 lepers. Now, these days, the average age of the lepers is about 80. So we have a very aged population, but they still live till 90s, 100s. Um, Each person needs Jesus. They have been abandoned, thrown away by their families, by society, and... They've lived really hard lives. Even though they've lived hard lives here on this earth, we want to give them hope, the hope of heaven, the hope of complete restoration. Some of the leper colonies still look like this. It's true that others, and you'll see some pictures, have um, been updated. The government, especially the provinces, they have different amounts of money that they invest, but they are helping to build new buildings and provide for their food on a monthly basis. Uh, this is, we call him Grandpa Kim. He is now 83 years old, and he's a Korean man. And he's the one that started this work in China about 10 years ago. But he just didn't start it all of a sudden. For about 30 years, he's been helping those who are in need, the blind, the deaf, the deaf-blind, the lepers, the homeless, Um, Because he has been faithfully serving, I believe that God opened the doors. In fact, he was was serving the lepers in Korea in the largest sanitarium called Sorokto, and he met a leper who had just returned from China. This was about, you know, a little over 10 years ago. And that person said, yeah, you know, our situation here in Korea is pretty comfortable, but the situation in China is really, really terrible. They are in a pitiful condition. And with that, he took it as the voice of God, and he went to China. He didn't know a word of Chinese, but he went. He went to the northern part of China where there are some Korean Chinese, and he started from there. The stories are incredible. He went and started asking people, where are the leper colonies? And the Chinese people said, what? We have leprosy? And one day, he decided we're just going to take a taxi and we're going to drive around and we're going to look for the leper colonies. Well, the taxi that he hailed, he said, we're looking for leper colonies. And the driver said, well, actually, last week, I just took somebody to a leper colony. I know where it is. And so right away, he was able to open the path um, to the work in China. Uh, This is him doing some wound care. So as Christians, what is our quest? What is our quest? And I like to suggest that it's to know Jesus, 
to know who God is. And we know in John 17, 3, it says that to know God and his son Jesus is eternal life. I was surprised to find out this verse in Jeremiah 22, 16, that says he defended the cause of the poor and the needy. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? A new definition of knowing the Lord as we defend the cause of the poor and the needy. We know that Jesus loves us. We know that Jesus died for us. We know that he has a plan for us. When we have this relationship with Jesus, we cannot help but ask, what can I do for you, Lord, in thanksgiving? And um, as I present this, the rest of this presentation, I want you to remember that, to remember that Jesus loves you so personally, and he wants to change your life completely for his kingdom. 1 John three seventeen. Can we read this together? Are ready? Begin. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? The next verse says this. Let's read it together. Ready? Begin. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. What did Jesus do? He didn't come to this earth just to have a vacation. He came to serve. He didn't want him to be served. He came to serve, and he gave the ultimate service of giving his life for us. So I want to share some of the things that we do in China. And as you can see, this young girl, she's from Korea, and she's now 13 years old. She, her older brother, and her mom started doing this work when she was six years old. And uh, this little girl is the smartest, brightest, most active girl I have ever met. And even though she's so young, she's able to train the new missionaries. This is how you do this. Oh, and you can't do it like this. You have to do it like this. And we do wound care, basic wound care. She's like the best. She's so quick and efficient. She's like, just do it like this, you know? And... Um, it's incredible. Even though she and her brother are not going to school in the traditional sense, she's having true education. Not only does she, is she able to serve the lepers, but she's also able to study the Bible in such a deep way. She and her brother, I believe, have read the Bible like five or six times, and the history of redemption, Ellen White's writings, the eight books, two or three times. Not only that, they can speak Chinese fluently, her brother knows how to read and write Chinese, and they both give sermons and Bible studies in Chinese. You know, God is using the young people, and he wants to use the young people to finish this work. It's possible. So even the little kids, oh, I forgot to, maybe I'll do it for this afternoon, the, this evening's program, but there's a picture of our little, one little kid who's about three years old, and he just loves to, to help. And you can see him doing um, different wound care. Okay, so there is a, a quote from Council, Councils on Stewardship, page 85, that says, the leprosy of, what is it? Selfishness has taken hold of the church. I don't know about you, but whenever I heard about selfishness, I didn't think it applied to me. When I saw little children and they're like, me, 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 that's mine, and I want more, I was like, whoa, that's selfish, right? But then 
I didn't realize that I had the leprosy of selfishness, of selfishness, of self-centeredness, of just everything having to do with myself. But the condition is real. The leprosy of selfishness has taken hold of the church. And another aspect about selfishness, even though it is a skin disease, it is also a disease that attacks the nerves. And what happens is that they cannot feel. And that's why, like, especially it starts with their fingers and their toes. And so they might be cooking, and they're chopping something up, and then they cut themselves, and they don't even realize that they've hurt themselves because they don't have feeling there. They might bump into something, and then they don't even realize, you know, they've hurt themselves. And because of these different kinds of accidents, accidents a lot of times they, they lose their digits, etc., But we have the leprosy of selfishness, and that leprosy has taken hold of our hearts. You know how the Bible says that God promises to replace our stony hearts with the heart of flesh? That's leprosy. That stony heart prevents us from realizing what sin is, from being able to feel the pain of sin and selfishness and the effect that it has upon Jesus and upon our fellow human beings. But you know what? God loves us so much, he doesn't even leave us there in that condition. He says, it continues, the Lord Jesus Christ will heal the church of this terrible disease. What's the little word? If she will be healed. The remedy is found in the 58th chapter of Isaiah. And I know Pastor Ivor Myers used to be a pastor here. And um, I was in contact with him when he started talking about Isaiah 58. So you guys are all familiar with Isaiah 58, right? And you're all doing Isaiah 58, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, tomorrow you have a wonderful opportunity to do the work of Isaiah 58. So I know I don't need to preach to you about Isaiah 58 too much, but just to remind you that that's the work that God has called us to do. Now, just in a nutshell, Isaiah 58 verses 6 and 7 tells us the work that we're supposed to do. And basically, it's loving people. It's helping people in need. And I want to suggest to you that this work of helping those who are in the bonds of wickedness, who have heavy burdens, who are oppressed and under a heavy yoke, who are hungry, who are homeless, who are naked, who are your family, that this is the work that we should be doing every single day. It's not just for the Sabbath. It's not just once a year for our clinic. It's not once a year for our mission trip, but every single day. It's the lifestyle of Jesus, and he wants us to live like him. The promises are incredible. He says, if you live like this, if you live helping those in need, then I've got these incredible promises for you. And this I'm going to highlight. Verse 8, it says, then your light shall break forth like the morning. This is a light of good works that shines to the world and glorifies our Father in heaven. It's the light of Revelation 18.1 that is going to lighten the whole world with his glory. We need that light to transform us. And then it says, your healing shall spring forth speedily. It's not just talking about our physical healing. It's talking about spiritual healing, healing from our sins, healing from our selfishness, our character defects. So this is a promise. And so we say, God, 
I'm, I'm doing your work, just as you, you said to do. I'm helping those in need. I claim your promise that you are going to heal me. You are going to take, take out my character defects and my sin. And it's really amazing to see how God does that. And I'll share some stories with you later. And it says, and your righteousness, this is Jesus' righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord, his glory, his character is going to be our rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. God wants to answer our prayers. We have the condition for answered prayers. So what is the work of Isaiah 58? This is the work that anyone can do, even the little ones. All it takes is the heart of mercy. And actually, even that is a gift from God. What do we do? We learn simple wound care. I don't have any medical background, but we learn and we do because they need the help. Wash their feet. Give baths to those who can't wash themselves. Here, I'm shaving a grandpa's face. It's so simple. This grandma is blind, and she doesn't have any fingers, and she's crippled on one leg, on one foot. And it's really difficult for them to eat. Somebody either has to hook um, a spoon that's been attached to some kind of contraption to wrap around their, their wrist and then to eat, but then they don't even know like, what they're eating, where it is, etc. So imagine how difficult that would be. Um, so when we have the volunteers available, we're able to feed them. And this grandma, she is like a little angel. She is so thankful she never complains, and all she says is, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then the grandmas and grandpas, they'll buy fruit and different things with the little money that they have. And, like, for example, this grandma, if she buys a bunch of bananas, she'll keep two for herself, and she'll be like, please, give it to the volunteers. Give it to the volunteers. They have a generosity, even though they, don't, they, they have nothing. We do a lot of cleaning. As you can imagine, when they don't have a lot of fingers and you know, limbs, it's difficult to do cleaning thoroughly. So it's our privilege to be able to clean those, those dirty things. Um, as you can see, there are a lot of young people, and some are from America, some are from Korea, but yeah, we all are Asian. <laughs> um, it's wonderful to work together, especially with young people. Young people have energy, and they just need direction. And here we're just um, uh, peeling peanuts. Is that the right word? I'm forgetting some of my English after being in Asia for so long, so please bear with me. Um, shelling peanuts, thank you. And uh, yeah, just doing it together, we are able to become unified, not just in working, but through the word of God. Why do we need to do the work of Isaiah 58? Okay, it says this in Testimonies, Volume 3. Covetousness is one of the most common and popular sins of the last days and has a paralyzing influence upon the soul. Constant, self-denying benevolence is God's remedy for the cankering sins of selfishness and covetousness. This is really cool because it works. When you're constantly thinking of ways to give to others instead of hoarding and getting for yourselves, you stop thinking about what you have 
what you've accumulated, and you just think about how you can bless someone else. And in that way, God is taking out our selfishness, our covetousness. This is um, some of the Bible studies that we've been doing together with the, the leper grandmas and grandpas. They're old, as I've told you, but they are so earnest in Bible studies. In this particular colony, there's a group of a few of them that love Bible studies so much They'll go and follow the volunteers from place to place and study the Bible all day long. Now, they try to sp- spread it around so the ones who are, you know, who are crippled or they, they're old, so it's hard to get around because the colony is pretty big. And so they kind of spread it out, but they're like, no, we want to go. <laughs> and they'll go to each place. And they meet themselves, even without volunteers, at 4 or 5 in the morning to study. see in their faces how earnest they are. They are studying the prophecies, the end time prophecies, and in particular, the prophecies that have to do with them, the providence of the poor and the handicapped. So now they know that they have a part to play. As I told you, 758 baptisms and hundreds more ready to be baptized. I want to tell you a story of the girl on your left. She is now 17 years old, and she and the girl on the right, they're twins. Um, When they were 12 years old, the two girls plus their older sister and their mom, they started doing this work. And when she was 12 years old, she was complaining a lot. She said, Mom, why do we have to be here in the leper colonies? I want to be with my friends. They're going to school. They're having fun. Man, you know, why can't I be there? And complain after complaint. But one day, she was doing her duties in the morning. And when she was all finished, she was heading back to her room to just relax. She had heard a kind of an impression or a voice. And it said, go visit this grandpa in this room. And she's like, I'm tired. I just want to go to my room. And so she did go to her room. And later that day, she heard the horrible news. That particular grandpa had committed suicide. She was shocked. She was incredibly shocked. And she thought to herself, if I had listened to the voice and gone to that grandpa's grandpa's room, would he still be alive now? God really shook her up through that event. She made a new, she had a new resolve. She said, no matter what leper colony I go to, I want to make one thing my mission, to make sure that no grandma or grandpa is without hope and commits suicide. Today, she's 17 years old. She is one of the best Bible study teachers. She's the one that gives sermons on Sabbath morning. And there's this one uh, missionary from Canada who had visited and listened to her sermon that was translated for her. And she said, wow, her sermon is better and deeper than many pastors that I've ever heard. The Lord is doing mighty things. He is using those who are available, those who are willing to give all to Jesus and learn from him. This grandpa... He is in his 80s, and he's blind. I think somehow both of his eyes were plucked out. 
not only that, you can see his mouth and the muscles, the nerves have been damaged so that he can't really close his mouth and he can't speak properly. So there are some people who can understand him better, so we use them kind of as our translators, our interpreters to figure out what he's saying. Well, a few years ago, when our volunteers first entered this leper colony, he accepted Jesus and became a Christian. But at that time, he had gotten really, really sick. And something happened in his neck and his upper back, and he was in so much pain, he thought he was going to die. It got so bad, in fact, that um, he couldn't eat any longer. Everyone around him thought that he was going to die, and they were just kind of waiting. Well, he was in so much pain, he called one of the volunteers and said, can you please help me end it all? I'm in so much pain. But the volunteer said, I can't do that. We believe in Jesus. Let's pray. So they prayed together. Well, that night, he had a dream. In his dream, he was at the, at the, the edge of a lake. And Jesus came to him on the water. And Jesus told him, throw your burden into the lake. Throw your burden into the lake. And so he did. He grabbed it and he threw it into the water. When he woke up, he was healed. That He's blind. So he doesn't know if it's nighttime or daytime or morning. And he was so excited. He started to make noise and everyone around him was like, but they can't understand him. They're like, oh, what is this crazy old grandpa saying? And eventually they called some of the volunteers. They came over and they heard the story. And um, I don't have the picture with me right now, but after that, he became a new man. Not only was he healed physically, he was healed spiritually. And he became so spiritually fervent. Like he, all he would do was study the Bible and memorize the Bible. Remember, he's blind. So somebody would read scripture to him and he would memorize it. Today, his physical condition is still going down, but he knows that just like God healed him that time, God is going to heal him completely. And that God is going to heal, to use him to share the messages to the rest of the world. They have this hope and they have this purpose. They're so thankful to God that God would be willing to use even them who are the lowest of the low in the entire world. If God wants to use the lepers who are the lowest of all in society, how much more does God want to use us? Or maybe he he wants to use each of us equally, but we are, if we are available, God wants to use us. God has been changing lives, as I've said, with the volunteers as well as the grandmas and grandpas. Young people, old people, people of different denominations. Now, I told you we have about 120 volunteers, but not all of them were Adventists when they first came. Some were Catholic, Presbyterian, Methodist, Buddhist, um, atheist, communist. But as they have seen this work, they said, wow, you guys are doing incredible work, and I want to join. And eventually, as they serve, as they study the Bible, as they study Spirit of Prophecy together, with our volunteers, they become Adventists. 
This, I gotta show you this, this girl on the left, she just came in January. She was a third year student at Andrews University. And she had gone to an Adventist school when she was in elementary school, but she had really bad experiences with the Adventists there. And she said, I just don't want any to, anything to do with them. But through a series of, of, of events, she was supposed to go to like an Ivy League school, but for some strange reason, she didn't get in, even though her scores and GPA was really, really good. So her mom said, why don't you go to Andrews University? And while she was there, she was able to start reconnecting with God. It was there that one of our other volunteers, who was a friend of her, hers, told her about this work and said, you have to come. And she came. Well, she has become a new being. She is so on fire for God, so thankful to God for saving her and for showing her all these things about these last days that she's like, how can I do anything else? You know, how can I deny my God? And please pray for her because she's in the midst of a kind of a battle. Her mom is uh, an Adventist in name, but not really in practice. Her father is Buddhist and they don't understand the fact that she wants to give up her life. She wants to give up um, finishing school. She wants to f- give up becoming a dentist to serve the lepers. They don't understand, but she's convicted. So if you remember, please pray for her as she has a very important uh, uh, next few weeks as she battles it out with her parents. Time is short, so I'm going to have to uh, wrap up here with a few last stories. This grandma has been touching the lives of people left and right. She has become a channel for the Holy Spirit to use her. Whenever she has free time, she is studying the Word of God. Well, her husband, unfortunately, he's not a believer, and he beats her. Now, she doesn't have any fingers, and one of her legs is amputated, but he makes her, well, I don't know, makes her, yeah, I think makes her, (laughs) makes her, do a lot of chores to help. And she does the best that she can. But during the free time, of course, she's studying the word and praying. Well, as she's been learning truth, she realized, I need to forgive. I can't have hatred in my heart. I need to love my enemies. And with that, she has been praying, God, please cleanse my heart. Please make sure that I don't have any hatred. When my husband beats me, please, Help me to not hate him. Help me to love him. It's been incredible. She's such a pure heart. But not only that, because of, well, because of her surrender, um, she's become this channel for the Holy Spirit. Now, you know when like pastors or some people will go around and talk to different people, they'll kind of give the same message. But when we heard her talking to different people, she gave a message that was almost custom-made for each individual. Like, for example, that girl that, um, you know, she's kind of battling with her parents about going back to China. She told her the message that Jesus is coming soon. We cannot live like the world. We need to give up everything for Jesus. That broke her heart and was a turning point for that girl, for Irene. Well, there was another a young student that had come. But his background was a little bit different. He had grown up in a broken home. He had never received the love and attention uh, from, from loving parents. Well, her message when, when, she, when that um, student was there was, 
Jesus loves you so much. Jesus died for you. He has a plan for you. And over and over again, he said the message that was so fitting. I was like, wow. We want to become the channels for the Holy Spirit so that God can speak through us to give the messages to everyone that we meet. And she has become such a witness. And she's become a standard, someone for us to look up to, a role model for us. God has changed my life. I told you a little bit about it before. Like I said, I wasn't really a bad, bad person in the world's eyes. But now that I look back, everything was centered on myself, even how I wanted to spend my time or have fun or spend my money, my relationships, food, especially food. I loved, you know, going to new restaurants. And it was just a big part of my life. Travel, work, even religion was me-centered. I didn't realize that. Luke 14, 15 says, And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. If we believe that Jesus is coming soon, it's time to get rid of our stuff. It's been really awesome to meet people around the world as they've been convicted about these things. They realize, you know, I don't need to hoard stuff. And it's time to give and give and give. I remember um, there was a principal at BAA, Linda Fent, she had an awesome collection of teapots. That was her little, you know, hobby. And people would always give her teapots. And there was a time I met up with her a couple of years ago, and she said, yeah, you know, I realized that when I die, I'm not going to need any of these things. I can't take it with me. So she's been giving teapots away. And so she actually gave me a teapot because there's a grandpa in, um, in southern China who loves tea. And so, yeah, I, I was able to take that teapot and give it to that grandpa. The things that keep us from Jesus are idols. I never thought that I was breaking the commandment of thou shalt not commit idolatry, thou shalt not have idols before me. But I found out that the idols are sins and distractions, busyness, indifference. And then this verse, Colossians 3, 5, therefore put to death covetousness, which is idolatry. I realized, I thought I was a good Seventh-day Adventist that, you know, even kept the fourth commandment of going to church on the Saturday, the right day. But I didn't realize that I was breaking the commandment of idolatry. And the Bible says, if you, if you break one commandment, it's like breaking them all, right? God is gracious to us to allow us to see our sins so we can repent. Is that good news? I experienced depression uh, off and on. After I've started this work, it's completely gone. I told you before, I live with one foot in the church and one foot in the world. But God has changed my life to be all in for Jesus. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. He's still changing me day by day. And I know that that's the experience that he wants to give each one of us. I really loved having fun. Magic Mountain, those different kinds of things, skydiving, that was my thing. Travel, I loved it because it made me happy for a short time. Sadly, though, after I you know, went back home, I wouldn't feel that happiness anymore. It wasn't the lasting happiness, as you probably well know. But now God has given me a care for the salvation of souls, and um, it's really fun. 
And it's really exciting to be able to um, share what God is doing in my life. Back before I started this work, I didn't really believe that Jesus would come in my lifetime. I thought it was a theory. And, um, you know, I, I thought I was just going to live a normal life, you know, go to through school, work, get married, have children, et cetera, et cetera, and then eventually get retired, go through retirement, et cetera, and then die. But after I started this ministry, I realized that Jesus is coming soon. So soon, in fact, that I don't even need my retirement money. I need it now for his work. And so God convicted me, actually, to pull out my retirement money last year so that I would put my money where my mouth is. And it's been a blessing to be able to use his work, uh, his money for his work. It's the greatest and most fatal deception to suppose that a man can have faith unto life eternal without possessing Christ-like love for his brethren. Our brethren is everyone, the entire world. They are all God's children. We need that divine love that only God can give us. So now he switched everything, and instead of focusing on me, he's teaching me to focus it on God and others. Wow, it's getting really long, so maybe I'll have to save some of this um, for tonight. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we were good Seventh-day Adventists, and um, we were deacons and elders, and uh, we helped with VBS. We not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You know, these people also called Jesus Lord. And Lord is another word for master. So we have to ask ourselves, who is truly the Lord of our lives? God is calling us to be his watchmen, his light bearers and messengers, repairers of the breach and hasteners of his second coming. Not just waiters for his second coming, but we have a part to play to, make, to allow Jesus to come sooner. Let's do that. Jesus is coming soon. There's a part in this verse that says, to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. I pray that each one of us are not standoffish and like, Jesus, I hope that you don't come until blah, blah, blah. Like I used to be like, please don't come until I get married. Please don't come until, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Let's be eagerly waiting for his coming more than anything in this world. I pray that God will change your lives daily as he is doing in my life. And I thank God so much for the opportunity to be able to serve him, to be woken up to the reality of these last days. Thank you very much.